0: One thousand and three. Amen. One thousand and three. Matthew chapter number six and just one verse. Verse thirty three. Got a place, Say amen. 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 But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Just one verse, let's read it together. Ready? But seek ye first the kingdom of God, and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. David Buchanan, how about you leading us to the throne of grace? Amen. You be seated. Someone has said that we choose our joys and our sorrows long before we experience them. It is so very, very true that our choices we make in life determine whether we reap joy or sorrow. Life is made up of choices and decisions. Some create little ripples on a pond of life, and some others make huge waves. Walt Disney, and Disney is a household name. One day, Walt Disney invited Art Linkletter, at that time, had a show, to go with him, and he took him down through some orange groves. And finally, in Orange County, and they went down through some orange groves and traveled, and finally, they got out of the car, and Walt Disney started talking to Art Linkletter. He said, now right here, I'm going to put merry-go-rounds, and I'm going to put all these kind of rides, and started describing all that that was in his heart to build down there. And... Uh, I mean Adventureland, Land, land Tomorrowland. Walt Disney had all of them. He started telling him about those. And he said, now, Art Linklater, you need to get on, in on this. You'll make a fortune. Well, Art Linklater just couldn't grasp the vision Walt Disney had. And since then, he has calculated that every step he took that day on that property was worth about $3 million a step. That he could have gone into his pocket, but didn't. Because he made a decision. All too often, are we listening? All too often, teenagers can go on a date and make a decision. that can change the rest of their life. A husband or wife in a moment of weakness can make a decision that has devastating effects. A businessman can make a decision resulting in loss of both his job and career. Confucius says, by three methods we may learn wisdom. First, by reflection, which is the noblest. Second, imitation, which is the easiest. And third, by experience, which is the bitterest and the hardest. What I'm interested in these Sunday mornings is making the right kind of decisions, the kind that will change your life and change your life for good. I'm not talking about decisions where you're going to have lunch today. and I'm not talking about what you're going to wear tomorrow. I'm talking about decisions that will impact your life for a time and eternity in a positive way. So I hope you'll give me a good listening. Be mindful you have the right to decide what you want to decide. We looked last week the decision to glorify God with our lives. Today I want to look at perhaps... The most difficult, the most challenging that every one of us face, that is the decision to put God first in your life. I didn't say, have you put God first? We can verbalize that easy. Yes, boy, God's first in my life, preacher. But the truth of the matter, to be first... In our life, many times a very challenging thing. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. For some, perhaps a very few, this decision has been made. But for the majority, not only in this church... But in every church, most have never come to the place. Are you listening? Are you listening? Most have never come to the place of putting God first in their life. It's probably the biggest battle that is fought in the Christian life. It'll be the decision, Christ being first, whether you'll be here tonight or not. Christ is first in our actions, in our attitude, in our abilities. It's amazing what God can do. And it's a battle so often lost on the battlefields of me, Mine and I, am I? Or we have we not come to a generation that is about as self-centered about me, mine, and I that we have ever come to? Just you ought to go to town and just find your seat somewhere and listen, listen to to the talk, watch their actions. And there's a constant call and drawing of the Holy Ghost of God to put him first. But then there's a constant war in this old flesh and self saying, me, mine, and I'm. So this morning with the help of God, I trust that someone would choose and make the decision to put God first in their life. It can change your life for good. First of all, notice number one, the priority to guide us. When we talk about priorities, we're speaking about that which... Has precedence over everything else, no matter what it is. The root of the word priority means to set before, it is what we place first. The word first that Jesus used means firstly or at the beginning. It speaks of that which is first in time, place, order, and importance. Jesus explained it this way. He said he needs to be first the kingdom of God. It simply means this. It means God ruling and reigning over our life. I fear we have come to the day. I fear we have come to the day. Yes, I believe there is a God. And he's my God. God. But I don't want Him ruling and reigning in my life. I want a God that takes me to heaven. I don't want a God die and go to hell. I want a God that will take me to heaven. But I don't want a God to to direct me and tell me what I need to do. I just want a God that will take me to heaven. I want a God that will answer my prayers. Certainly when my baby's sick, I want God to hear and answer my prayer. But I don't want God to be a God that says, that tells me I need to be faithful to the house of God. I don't want that kind of God. I want God just to answer my prayers. Thank you. And we put him back in the trunk until the next time we drag him out because we need him. First of all, may I say, number A, here are our decisions, have the priority in our plans. James 4.13 says, Go to now, ye that say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city, and continue there a year, and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that peers for a little time and then vanish away. The for that you ought to say, If the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. Now, James is not rebuking them because of their ambition. Matter of fact, he's not even rebuking them for wanting to make money. He's not rebuking them that part of all. He's rebuking them because they're failing to put God in the midst of their plans. They're making plans on their own. I have never met anyone. I've yet to meet anyone who ever lamented the decision to put God first in their plans. Now I've known many that have regretted leaving God out of their plans. I've met many. I'm many a divorce, I'm convinced that how many a divorce could have been eliminated if God's will had been sought in the beginning. But instead, they chose their own plan, their own path that led to much heartache. I stand amazed, I stand amazed. I stand amazed. I passed through long enough and I stand amazed at this at the decisions that people will make. And many times they'll leave and I'll say, now listen, has the Lord led you to do this? Well, no, but, but we're going to do this. We'll, but has the Lord led you to do this? And I stand amazed and I cringe to think, what are you doing to your family? Maybe I'm, Maybe I'm off. I love my family. And I cringe to think, of the choices. I remember going to see an older man. In a few days he would go to heaven. He walked in and he said, come on in preacher. He said, shut the door and get you a chair. I said, yes sir. Walked up beside of his bed and with tears running down his face. He shared this story with me. He said, Preacher, we was in a church and I got mad over something that was so petty and simple and I dragged my family out. Now, now, Preacher, I can't get my family back in and I'm not so sure that are many of them will die lost all because of my decision. Boy, I just sat there and I, I wept with that man and I thought, my goodness, my goodness, boy, it pays to put God first in your plans. Our plans are to say, boy, well, if it's God's will. Now, by the way, you don't have to pray if it's God's will for you to be back tonight. Forsaken not the assembling of ourselves together. It's already in God's plan. That goes for Wednesday night too, amen? Oh, I like that. So first of all, priority in our plans. But boy, this is where we really get down where the rubber meets the road. Many can say yes, yes, pastor, I want God first, priority in my plans. But why about priority in our possessions? Theodore Henderson said the most sensitive spot in the surrender of the whole life to God is my property. He went on to say this because Property provides me material comfort, selfish satisfaction, and gratifies personal taste and appetites. But it really comes down to just one question. Who is your owner? Those here this morning that struggle with God having priority in your possession. The problem gets right down right here. Who owns it? Who has a title deed to your property? Well, preacher, I do. There's your problem. There's your problem. 103 Fifth Avenue, on the deed, it's got my name, but that's a lie. That's a lie. Because a long time ago I give it to God and says it's yours. If it's mine, I gotta take care of it. If it's his, it's his responsibility. He just lets me live there. If God, then I must surrender all to him. Man has attempted to accept his property from surrender. But when I begin to my, to condition my surrender, when I put conditions and saying, "Yes, God, I'll I'll put you first in all my plans," but now my properties and another thing, Lord, that uh, that's my car and, and that's my house and that's my boat and that's my motorcycle and that's my money and that's my stuff. You have you not priority in my plans, but but this stuff is mine. Then we begin to compromise, and compromise is fatal with God and to the soul. I guess if there's anything that rubs people raw, it's when you talk about money. Now, I told you years ago, and I didn't lie to you. I told you years ago, you've a pastor that's not afraid to talk about money. Fifteen percent of the Bible talks about money. 2,350 verses in your King James Bible addresses money. It's talked more about than faith or prayer. Let me just go ahead and just throw it out and make you mad now at the beginning. The only people I've seen that struggle when I preach about money is those that rob God and don't give. That's the ones that struggle when it comes to money. I've never, I've never met someone that was a good giver ever struggled when the preacher preached on money. Boy, you let those talk. Well, let's move on. Let's move on. Let's move on. There's a, there is a, a powerful relationship between true spiritual condition and our action. Let, I, I, let me say this. I can gauge your Christianity by your pocketbook. I can gauge it. And it's, a, it's simply amazing. And what's amazing, what's amazing is the people that struggle, that truly struggle financially, are the very ones. Man, I'm going to tell you so much, I can't afford to tithe. I can't afford not to tithe. Amen. I I need God's blessings on my house and my car and on whatever He's allowed me to use. I need His blessings on it. I don't want Him to curse that. Why in God's name would you want to curse your family? I've known people that are not Baptist. That literally realized that tithing works, and they tithe because the, I know a Mormon. He tithe on his business because he recognized the fact it works. It may be uh, unwise decisions on your part and spending like a discipline. But I'll tell you one thing: when we put God first in our life. God honors our giving. There, are, so many are like this one fella. He wrecked his Mercedes. He's standing on the side of the road. His left arm severed from his body, and the man stops. He's holding his arms, wrapped it up, keeping from bleeding. He said, "My car, my car." The man said, "Man, you're worried about your car, and you lost your left arm." He said, "My Rolex, my Rolex." <laughs> I am going to tell you something. God becomes first. I'm talking about priority of our plans. Priority of her possessions. Let me help some of you young couples that's got these children. Listen to me. But listen, I'm going to help you. Be careful about putting them children first. Now, don't, don't, don't you go out and lie. Say the preacher said me not to love my child. Ain't what I said. I want you to love that child. I want you to take care of that child. I mean, I want you to love it dearly, but you better not put it first. You better not put it first. Because I'm going to tell you, you got the priorities all wrong. You got your priorities wrong. Boy, I told a young lady this. I said, she had a child. And boy, she got upset. When I went to the hospital. I said, Your number one job. Are you listening? Are you listening? Your number one job when you bring that child into the world, is to teach that child to leave. Because guess what? One day it will. If you've not taught it right, it'll struggle. It won't want to do with life. Well, I thank God my daddy's in heaven. My mama's in heaven. Darling's daddy, mama's in heaven. I praise God. I had a day that taught me to stand them on two feet. He taught me some things in life. See, when you put your child first, you're saying that child is your God, and that's wrong priority. You're saying you own it. God didn't give nobody ownership of a life. God owns life. Treason, abortion, murder. Let's move on, okay? Our priority in our plans, priority in our possessions, priorities, and then our priorities need to be priority. I'm talking about putting God first in your decisions. I'm talking about, and many times we have many Priorities. I, I think our families ought to be priorities. I think spending time with your husband and wife should be a priority. I think spending time with your children should be a priority. you got to work. That should be a priority. Bible says if any man provide not for his own, especially not for his own houses, he had denied the faith is worse than an infidel, worse than a lost man. But may I say in the midst of all of those things, God said... I want first place. I want first place. Mary Kay Cosmetics, we've all heard that. She made this statement to US News and World Report. I like to work longer hours, but if you have to lose husband or wife in the process, you're doing things the wrong way. It's no fun to count your money by yourself. Stephen Covey said, the key is not to prioritize what's on schedule, but to schedule your priorities. Put God first in your plans, in your possessions, and in your priorities. Second, notice number two, a passion that should grip us. As born-again believers, we all have passion. The Bible says, seek, seek, it speaks of that which is a passion. It speaks of endeavor to pursue. May I say number A, it's a godly passion. It's a passion for God. Philippians one twenty one says, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. It is an internal passion to desire and want something. I'll be honest with you. I'll be honest with you. We could turn the Lord side, down. If you had as much passion for God as you had for passion to go to work in the morning. Yeah. Why you'll slap your husband, kick the dog, and run to work to get there on time. You'll go to work, your nose, you're blowing your nose, you're sick, you're feeling bad. You'll get up and you'll go to work. But you get one drip. Well, we can't go to church today. Or a kid get a snotty nose and ten stays out to take care of it. The truth of the matter is we don't have a passion. More priority. Putting God first should move us to a passion, a godly passion. It's a passion in life to know Him. Jesus was talking about. Seeking the kingdom of God. A passion. It's amazing what our passions are. It's amazing. I mean, for some, their passion is the next meal at a restaurant. For some, the next passion is another dollar bill. It's a passion. What drives you? What desires do you have? A passion. Not only a godly passion, but a greater passion. This this passion Jesus talks about is a passion greater than any other passion in our life. Now, I like ambitious people. I I do. I I really do. And and there's nothing wrong with ambition and drive and motivation. I, I think it's what makes us different from the ordinary. I like that. I think it's the difference between success and failure. The greatest desires of our heart in life ought to be that God is first in our life. A godly passion ought to be our greatest passion. Are you listening? See, some of you are not, you don't have, you, your passions is all, your priorities is all wrong. And so your passions are all wrong. Your, your priorities is about Building this and getting this and doing this. So your passions are there. But if we get our priorities right, then our passions will automatically follow that. See, one goes hand in hand with the other. Oh, I fear that our passions... What are you passionate about? What are you passionate Right now, if I, could, if I could get an honest answer, if I just ask you, what are you passionate about? Some people are passionate about their sales. Why well, I meant a bunch of them. It's all about what they can do, what they want to do, what they think, what they like, what they want to do. Forget everybody else, what I want to do, what I think, what I want to do. They're passionate about themselves. I know people would be passionate. That they were just passionate about stuff. And no matter how much stuff they got, it was never enough. Always something. They just went from one thing to another to another to another. And 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 they and it's amazing. I, I knew a man. I knew a man. And I'll mention his name, but it may be surreal that somebody People might pick up on it. They'll be okay. And, and he was the most unusual man I ever met. Because whatever he did, whatever he did, he done it a 150%. Everything. He, if he starts something, I mean, he was all in. Everything. Everything. I mean, it was amazing. And he, he started several different things. And, uh, he went into grass mowing and he bought the, the nicest mower and, and, the, and the nicest stuff. He, he, he was just all into that. Just everything. That's, that's the way he approached life. But then, something happened. Are you listening? Something happened. He got cancer. And then when something happened, in the last few weeks, I got the privilege of spending so much time with him. I so enjoyed that. But here's what he said to me. He said, he called me Rev. I always, always, Rev, that's what he'd always call me. He said, you know what I've learned? He said, it's took this, it's took this for me to finally realize what's important. And now, I'm out of time. But he was passionate. And God saved him. And he was just as passionate about, about that as he was everything else. Oh, may there be a priority to guide us, but a passion to. So, may I say this? Oh, please. You know why I want you to get a passion? So I had to get up every Sunday morning and plead to say, now come back tonight, be sure to be here tonight, be here on Wednesday night, be in your place, and be, be uh, time, be honest with God, do all these things, over and over and over and over and over. If there's a passion, I wouldn't have to ever say that. I would never have to mention that, because it would automatically be something that's in your heart. Party to Goddess. A passion that should grip us, but then a promise to gladden us. He said this, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And he'll give you a few things along the way to kind of pacify you. Is that what he says? Well, I'll give you your greatest wishes along the way. Is that what he says? Here's what he says. And all these things. What things is he talking about? All that he's talking about in this chapter. About food. Notice he said, I'll give you a promise to gladness. I'll give you eternal wealth. Matthew 6, 19. Now listen to me. I want you to listen. Are you listening? Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust does corrupt. Your house is deteriorating. Your car deteriorating out here in the parking lot. I ain't gonna make no comments about forwards. Where thieves break through and steal. How many is that a thief come to your house? Amen. I hate a thief. They break through and steal. But lay up yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, where thieves do not break through nor steal. Jesus was talking about living for that which lasts, not for which that's temporary or temporal. These treasures on earth... I thank God for He's good to us, and He is good to us. Amen. I praise the Lord for that. But I'm going to tell you something: they're going to rust and decay. I drove by the old home place yesterday, the other day, when I was in Valdez, where I grew up. I remember us working; Dad worked us like horses, keeping that place up. We we painted it every year. We the the lawn was always. Grape, planted a garden, everything was just immaculate. But I drove up there and the old house is just about to hit the ground. And I thought, This is exactly what God's saying. He's saying, Y'all to put me first. Because I'll give you a promise that'll gladden you. He's saying. The secret to treasure is in heaven. Listen what verse 21, I want everybody to look, look straight at me now because if you miss everything I've said, don't miss this: For where your treasure is, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You tell me where your treasure is. And I'll tell you exactly the state of your heart. Tell me where your treasure is. We visited a man, by all probability, this man's in hell now. In spite of all we could do, in spite of all we could do, when we was there, all he wanted to talk about was a car he had down there at his building. That's all he talked about. That's all he wanted to talk about. just talking about that car. Right now he's probably in hell. He died, most likely in hell, and his wife sold the car. Well, I tell you, our priorities are messed up. Lay up treasures in heaven is a heart matter. Did you get that? Laying up treasures in heaven is a heart matter. When we put God first in our life, you're laying up treasures in heaven. When we die, all our money, our wealth, our possession, portfolio, our stocks and bonds, mutual funds, houses and lands, we'll be left behind for others to use or to abuse. I've never quite understood this. And I believe in leaving the heritage to your family. I do. The Bible speaks of that, leaving the inheritance to our family. I'm going to leave my children $2 apiece. I don't care what nobody says. I'm going to leave them an inheritance. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. If one of them was living in sin, and I knew they was living in sin, boy, I'd be challenged to leave that to them. I believe people have left things to their children and that it has been to their destruction. Children they learn, love Yet they left it to them and they care nothing about God. I'm, amaz- I'm shocked, I'm amazed at this. People that love God all their life, faithful to God, then leave it to their children. that are as ungodly as all get out. I, it, it puzzles me. I, I stand puzzled at that. But we put God first in our life. You can live treasures in heaven that will last throughout all eternity. Boy, ain't there be something. What, what are we going to do one day? When we get to heaven, we want to say, God, what have you built me? He said, well, I built you this, but I wanted to do so much more, but you didn't send me nothing up to build with. Land up treasures in heaven. Martin Luther said this, I have held many things in my hands, and I have lost them all, but whatever I placed in God's hand, that I still possess. They, God said, promise concerning eternal wealth, and then earthly wants. I love this. God in our context says this. Wherefore if God so clothed the grass of the field which today is and tomorrow is cast in the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore stop worrying! Therefore take no thought saying what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink, or where else shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly father knoweth that you have need of all these things. God's saying, If you will make me a priority, He said, I'll take care of your earthly wants. I'm gonna ask the question. Now I've got to trust you to be honest. I trust you to be honest which I can look around now, we're going to have a hard time selling this, but how many of you have been faithful and putting God first? I mean, first in your life that can stand up and say, God's not treating me right? He's not providing me clothing to put on my back. He's not fed me. Like I said, you stand up and saying me, you're not being fed. you want to have a hard time selling that to me. Which is a nice way of saying we're all too fat. That's what I'm trying to say. But those of you that have put God first and made Him the priority that He desires to be, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. How many of you? We had a, we had a, a Mexican missionary come in. And we, I talked to him, and he said, i tell you, what do you think about America? He said, well, let me tell you what, three things. He said, in America, every, every home has a TV. He said, where I, where I come from, we have one TV for the community, and he said, it, it, the reception is terrible. He said, number two, he's, he's called me. he said, every cabinet here in America has food in it. He said, every cabinet, most every cabinet, every home has been cabinet full of food. And he said this, and most Americans are unthankful. That's what he said. You know what I had to do? I had to bow my head and say, yes, sir, you're right. You're right. Most of us are unthankful. We complain because we ain't got chicken nuggets when we got a cabinet full of food. Ain't that right? We complain about this or that, and the truth of the matter is, earthly wants. Jesus is saying... I want to be first. And more, he said, I promise. Bill McCartney was football coach for the University of Colorado. When they won the national championship in 1990, McCartney had always been open about his faith. He said, when I took the job as the head coach at the university, I made a solemn promise. I told everyone that with me, God was first, family second, And football third. I didn't keep that promise long. The thrill and challenge of resurrecting a football program simply took too much time and my attention. As my team kept winning year after year, I kept losing my focus on my priority. When we won the national championship in 1990, many people said I had reached the pinnacle of my profession. But for me, I sat down and wept because of the emptiness of winning that championship. And as I sat there, I kept thinking I didn't keep God's the promise I gave to God. And even though I had won, it was just an empty, empty win. As I got so busy pursuing my career that I missed out on the spirit-filled life God wanted me to have. All because my promise to put God first and foremost in my life was forfeited. Could it be? Could it be? That emptiness... Could it be that emptiness that's in your life? Your dream, your dream was to get such and such. You got your dream! But it just ain't satisfying. It just ain't satisfying. It just didn't do what you thought it would do. Well, if I get this certain kind of house, well, I'll be happy. But you walk the hallways just as miserable as you've always been. Why is that emptiness there? Because there's a void inside every man, woman, boy, and girl here that only God Himself and feel Amen. Yeah. it starts first of all when knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior now I'm getting too old to play games and try to pump you to know if you're lost you know you're lost quit playing we ain't got time to play church Jesus could come before the days out we ain't got time to play church you're lost you know it if you can't go to a place where you know jesus saved your soul don't kid yourself you're lost and today it starts right there that's where you got to commence that's where you got to start with knowing jesus christ as your lord and savior and then the second most important question for us that are saved is Jesus first? Is He truly first? Well, Pastor, not really. I could tell you He's first, but no, not really. Tell you the truth, my job, my job is first. I'm telling you, you'll never find joy in that job till He is first. Well, not not my, my, my stuff. I love my stuff. Boy, some people love their stuff. Love their stuff. The truth of the matter is, they'll never bring you joy until He comes first. Some of you your children's first. You're playing a dangerous game. You're playing a dangerous game. What you gonna do? God decides... No, that lot belongs to me. It don't belong to you. What would you do then? What would you do then? I'm saying, I want you to love your children, but what if you put God first, then He could teach you to love that child and to train that child and to teach that child Because if you love God first, then you teach that child to love God as well. What if you put him first? This morning, are you saved? Second, is he first? It could be a life-changing decision for you right now. So I'll stand to her feet. Every head bowed and every eye closed.